Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. How are we doing good this morning? Wonderful. Hey, just, just while we're worshiping, I'm going to get going in a moment, but just while we're worshiping, sir, in the white shirt here, uh, I just felt like God wanted to give you an encouragement. Uh, Vincent, thank you. There we go. I didn't know that prophetically, but the, I did from my, the Holy Spirit's helper here gave me your name. Uh, Vincent, this, uh, I just had this thought that uh, there's a, a key relationship in your world that, that whether it's been strained, and I hear God saying, I've got it. I've got your back. I'm the restorer. I'm the repairer of the bridge. I see God moving and doing a suddenly in your life. I don't know who it's with, but doing a suddenly in your life about someone who's close to your heart. And it's like they're going to literally turn back towards you and you're going to see God's favor work in your world. So I hope that's an encouragement to you today. Um, that's, that's really cool. Um, hey, happy birthday. C3 Noosa. Give me a wave if this is your home church, you're here, and you're a member of this church. What about if you're visiting today? Give me a wave. So kind of fantastic. Oh, you chose a great day to visit. Birthday, two years. And uh, I just want to add to Danielle's um, words there of happy birthday. Congratulations, two years. Who would have thought? Uh, It's just, you know, all those people who said you'd only last a year, that was just, they had no idea, no Now, honestly, uh, your pastors are amazing people. I know you know that, but they are amazing people. Uh, They've got a great call of God on their life, great gift. To their own personal cost, which I'm sure they don't talk about a lot, but to a significant personal, financial, emotional, family cost, they've made the move up here uh, in obedience to God to build a great church. And I think you should give them a big clap and honor them today because they're wonderful leaders, ministers, and uh, the Sunshine Coast is uh, glad that you're here. And Noosa is glad that you're here. And, uh, and to, to all of the team, Justin, Lionel, Richie, Malaco up there with the move. I didn't know you could sing, man. You've got all the, all the moves. Oh, the, the phrase, got the moves like Jagger, were coming to me uh, while you were singing. It's just... So good. Uh, Justin actually has joined our, our, our team of the national office a couple of days a week. Uh, so using his management skills, helping us herd pastors. People say herding, herding pastors is like herding cats, uh, but that's not. We're just helping and, and uh, helping the movement around Australia. So, so good. Lots of familiar faces, great friends, numbers of people here who were at Kiwana, but Noosa was closer. And uh, we happily released you to this phenomenal church, Josh and Kelly. Josh who, uh, was one of my earliest disciples, and uh, it's great to see him here serving with Cal and Tanya, who drove from Gympie to our church for, you know, an hour every, you know, an hour both ways, and, and then eventually asked for the blessing to be here, and we said, absolutely, wouldn't, would love you to be with these great guys in a great church. True? The church is awesome. I love church. I think the church is like the, the, when the church is doing its thing, it's the greatest thing on planet earth. Uh, Bill Hybels is a a world-renowned pastor. He says that the local church is the hope of the world. It's a place where people come and we're hearing from Lisa. Where are you, Lisa? Oh, great to hear your testimony, your story, and of the journey of what God's done with you. And of course, church is where, where our walk with God, our personal relationship with God uh, just comes alive. We need one another. We need, you know, people can go, oh, I can just have a relationship with God uh, without going to church. Yeah, right. 
You, you can have a, you know, the odd conversation, but you're never going to fulfill your destiny on planet Earth until you really discover what the church is all about. So I've heard it said like this, when you discover Jesus, you discover your eternity. But when you discover his church, you discover your destiny. And you say, eternity, yes, you can go to heaven without being in church. But you know what? You'll discover what you were put on this planet for when you discover the family, the community, the, the group of faith people who you're going to walk together with. And it's in church that Jesus heals our broken hearts. It's in church that he heals us of the hurts which would dominate our future and our relationships. And so we get together and we, we, we talk and we laugh and we, let, we pray and we, we have coffee and we worship and, and we let Jesus get in and do what he's a specialist at. And that's healing the brokenheartedness that all of us carry from our past so that our relationships can flourish, so that our self-esteem can flourish. All these awesome things happen in church. He delivers us from the demons that are attached to us in our past life. I was at a party last night, actually, and I was just at my personal trainer, or not personal trainer, a guy who does boot camp, and I went to his 40th, and it was at a pub, and it was so not my normal scene, but I, I want to do it because I love to connect with unchurched people, and uh, I'm sitting there, and one guy's going, oh, mate, I remember if I, my, I lied to my dad, the demons would just get in my mind. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he was talking about honesty and whatever. He goes, all these demons would get into my thinking. I'm like, mate. You need to come to church because that's where you get rid of demons. That's where they get off your life. That's where you get free. All the, the heavy things that attach themselves, you get free from them. You get your mind renewed. I don't know about you. Have you ever heard that people go, oh, don't go to church. They brainwash you at church. Have you ever heard that? Oh, they just, they just brainwash you. Man, seriously, if I could just for a moment get all of our brains and our thoughts on the big screen that it happened this week. This week, if we could just have a real quick little shot of all of the thoughts that we'd all had this week, every moment, how many people would be happy about that? Uh, no. I'm, I'm telling you, my brain needs washing. My brain gets filled with, with you know, pride and selfishness and greed and all this stuff. I need my brain washed. I need my mind adjusted. Otherwise, I've got this thinking, thinking. And you know what? If my thinking doesn't get changed, well, the, my future, if I, if I could look into your thinking, I can see your future. So when you get in church and you listen to the Word of God week in, week out, the messages come, you're downloading the podcast, you're getting it because your mind is being renewed, Romans tells us. That's what the house of God is all about, transformation. And so, you know, transformation is rarely, sometimes it happens with, bam, a big power moment. And God just does a breakthrough. But more often than not, it's just this journey, as Lisa was saying, this journey of transformation, this journey of, of renewing of our minds, of healing of our hearts, of, of God. And then bit by bit, you start to discover, what's my purpose on this planet? What has God put me here for? You, when your mind's all messed up, it's very hard to realize what your purpose is. But when God works you, frees you, cleans you, sets you on fire, sets you free, then you discover your destiny that's what church is all about living for him and ultimately we get to go to heaven and do pretty much what we do here so you better get to love what we do in church because heaven's going to be very similar I'm not sure about whether it'll have Justin's moves but quite possibly it will have Justin's moves 
Hey, I, I thought this morning what I'd do, because it's a two years, two years a symbolic uh, uh, moment in the life of the church, I thought I'd talk a little bit about um, some mindsets that Australians uh, tend to have about church and how they can sometimes not line up with what the Bible says about the way church should be. Who, who thinks that would be okay? All right, four people, so that, that's enough. I've got five, excellent. Oh, here we go. I've got five, I've got five, I've got... No, sorry. When I was growing up, I wanted to be an auctioneer, but that's... Now I'm a pastor, so... Uh, what was I saying? Okay, church, two years. Two years, right? So usually in the, in when a church kicks off, uh, the first couple of years, you get some tire kickers. You know, people come along, oh, what's this going to be like? Uh, you get some pulpit huggers. Oh, I'm coming along because I might get a shot at preaching. You know, that, that happens, you know, not here probably, but that does happen. Uh, people come along because all of the other churches that I've ever been to in the world were terrible. Uh, so hopefully this will be the perfect one. Uh, and usually just by coming along, we ruin it, uh, you know, because none of us are perfect. The church was, the day before this church started, it was perfect. And then everybody turned up and it wasn't perfect because we're all imperfect, okay? And so, and you, you kind of, you have a bit of shifting sands, but about two years, you st- you, you've got, I mean, you've got a stack of people. Man, I remember when our church started over 20 years ago, if we looked like this after two years, I'd be doing cartwheels. You guys are awesome. The music's awesome. The, the, your leaders are awesome. The atmosphere, the service, just everything. There's excellence in this place. It's, it's wonderful. You should be really proud of what God's doing here. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. And so, and so there's this kind of shift that begins to happen. And, and okay, let me talk about pastoral care. Let me just talk about this, this idea, if you like, in Australian church. Because how many people here grew up, let's say, in a Catholic church? Catholic? How many people grew up in, say, uniting Anglican sort of environment? How many people grew up in a, uh, not a church at all, and you just, you've just started coming to church in the last, you know, however long, few years, number of years? What, a, what about um, a, a, a chorus singing church? You grew up singing choruses, you know, the yellow book, the brown book, the blue, okay, we've got a few old timers as well. All right, I grew up in the Uniting Church for, for years, went to an Anglican grammar school, uh, but, but my parents got involved in a Pentecostal uh, connection, and so we would sing so, some of the great old songs like Majesty. I won't sing them for you right now, but number 91 in the blue book. Oh, here we go. We're going to have an old-time revival here today. <laughs> wow, just we connected some of us right then, right there. That was powerful. But here's the deal. Uh, for me, so I remember, I remember this culture where we would go to church, 11 till 12. If it went past 12, the heat would come out uh, because Annie Beryl had her roast in the oven that she'd put in before we came to church, and it was set to the time. And so if the, if the reverend went over time with the sermon, then by the time we got home, the roast could be burnt. Well, if the roast was burnt, then the reverend was going to be roasted. That's pretty much how it worked. And so the mindset was pretty much, let's go, go along to church. Uh, the reverend would meet everyone on the door on the way out. Uh, and, and I remember that there was kind of like a scorecard system. You know, we, we'd go home, oh, the good, good message by the reverend today, like, you know, the diving, seven and a half, degree of difficulty. He talked about hell. Oh, okay, I'll make it eight and a half, you know. There was this kind of sense of where we're um, spectating the reverend doing their job. Oh, he missed Miss shaking my hand today, not good, not good. Spent too long talking to Mrs. Jones. Or this is another part of it would, would be, um, uh, you know, Reverend hasn't visited us for at least two months. We had the cucumber sandwiches and the cup of tea ready. 
but he didn't come around, he can't be doing a very good job. Okay, how many people can relate to that sort of upgrowing concept of pastoral care? All right, then, then there was the, the, the Catholic version, which was you get the one-on-one confessional. Reminded me of, of a friend of mine who, who hadn't been to church for years. And he goes in and he goes to get into the, the confessional and he goes in. It's like, man, this has changed. Over there, is, there's a Guinness on tap. There's a fully functioning bar. There's all these really nice cigars. There's, there's this TV screen set up. It's just, you know, it's amazing. There's chocolates. And he goes, Father, I'm here for my confessional. Things have changed. He goes, mate, you're on the wrong side. Get over there. It's just a joke. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, but the confessional mindset is I come and see the man of God or the priest, and they deal with my issues. I confess, and, and that's, and almost like it can be that between me and God is the priest who represents me. And therefore, it's pretty hard to be a, a good Christian unless I've got a personal connection with the, the, the pastor, father, reverend, saint, mayor, whatever it is. And that mindset can actually be actually quite detrimental because it's not what the Bible teaches us the mindset of pastoral care is like. In fact, right, bring that on forward into Pentecostal churches like this one or like ours, and, and people can have this mindset that, you know, we, we don't think like that necessarily but we have this idea of pastoral care and this is what the pastor is supposed to do they're supposed to do all these things in fact I, I, I saw a little note just recently about the the ideal pastor the perfect pastor I'm not sure if anybody's ever seen this one let me just uh, get it going here how many people think you've got the perfect pastor here okay they thought that's a tr- that's a trick question that's it. well the, the, here it is the perfect pastor loves Loves all the older folks of the church, visits them regularly, um, doesn't get paid, lives by faith, but is the biggest giver in the church. Uh, In fact, has a large house so he can entertain the whole congregation without receiving a penny. Uh, The glow on his face reveals his secret. He spent many hours on his knees before God. However, he's always available to anyone who drops by for a friendly chat. Uh, what's half an hour out of your schedule when you only work Sunday anyway? <laughs> uh, the ideal pastor loves to disciple new converts, gives full attention to calling on the elderly, uh, ill and shut in, visits hospitals full time, but at the same time has the model family. Is always at the church office when you call, is busy at the hospital, just looking for a soul to comfort. Uh, I'll go on because there's, there's all this stuff. The ideal pastor is only 29, but he's been preaching for 30 years. He preaches sermons that win the hearts of the lost and inspires the minds of the mature. He produces miracles like Smith Wigglesworth, teaches faith like Kenneth Hagin, evangelizes like Billy Graham, has the eloquence of Spurgeon, the fervor of Moody, but really is true to himself. Uh, So funny, I could go on. Uh, Here's the challenge. Uh, When you look at the Bible, and when the Bible talks about pastors and pastoral care, here's an interesting thought. The word pastor only appears once in the Bible. And actually, it was a name for a shepherd, like a farmer. So, farmer Christian, really, because it was a direct word, pastor. And it only appears once. And the only time it appears, because what I'm wanting to do today is, I'm wanting to, because uh, I believe there's a, there's a call of God on this church to grow large. 
But if your mindset is linked that your church life and pastoral care and visits from the pastor and and your one-on-one confessional moments are linked around a relationship, whether it's Pastor Christian or Pastor Melissa, whether if everything revolves around them, that in itself will limit this church because people will come in with that expectation and then if they don't, they'll stay around for a while and then they'll sort of move around here, someone else moves in and then eventually someone over here drops off the side because there's just not enough time for them to connect and love and look after everybody and over the years I've, I've had people um, come along to church and and kind of uh, and leave church for all sorts of different reasons my most favorite one is because we were too evangelistic I, I don't really know how a church can be too evangelistic because uh, I thought that's really what we're all about reaching lost people and helping people who don't have a relationship with God have a relationship with God uh, but anyway I took that as a compliment uh, but one of them one of them can't be oh we don't like the pastoral care around here now stay with me because ultimately that's really like a person saying I suck Oh, I know, I know. Stay, stay with me. All right, let's have, let's have a little look at this. So what does it say? When the Bible says, uh, talks about pastor, it's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, and it talks about Jesus, and he says, and he himself uh, gave, so here we go, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, the only time that word's in the New Testament. What to do? Next verse, glad you asked. For the equipping of the saints, how many people are saints here today? Okay, okay, uh, let's, let's, uh, let, I don't, we might do a little theology teaching for a moment. Uh, I'm not talking about Saint supporters, St. George or St. Kilda, although one of our chief intercessors barracks for the Melbourne Demons, figure that out. Uh, but anyway, so it's like it's a good weekend, the Demons won, I'm like, what are you saying? Uh, so for the equipping, stay focused, John, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the saints is everybody who's a believer in Jesus Christ. When you, it's not St. Mary, it's like when you confess your sin and ask for Christ's forgiveness, you're made righteous by the blood of Jesus. No matter if you keep making mistakes, you're made righteous and you are now a saint. So the pastor's job is to equip or to train or to help the saints every member of the church for the work of ministry, for the edifying, edifying, that literally means building up of the body. So for another word, it means recharging. If my phone runs flat, then I would plug it in to get recharged. Uh, In Bible terms, I would be edifying my phone. I would be charging it up so it can function. So the role of the pastor is to equip, I just want to go right back there, sorry Ben, to equip the, the saints, the church members, to do the work of the ministry, all sorts of different things, which we're going get, to get to, for the charging or the building up or the strengthening of, the one, of one another, of the body. So when you follow this through, this, this is the phrase, pastor appears once, but, but like I think it's at 90 times around that. This is the phrase that appears more in the New Testament than pastor, and appears more than many others when it talks about the body, and it's one another. One another. So I'm just, I'm going to rip through some scriptures here, and then I'm going to come back to it. One another. So if we can, whack, we can start with those for us, Ben, the, the next scripture I had. Uh, that, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. Whose responsibility is it to care for the members of the church? One another. Okay, next verse. And if one member suffers, all the members suffers with it. For if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Next verse. 
For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve, everybody say it, one another. Okay, I want to just say one another. Turn to your neighbor and go, you're my one another. Turn to your other neighbor and go, Pastor Christian's not my one another. Turn to the person behind you and say, you're my one another. All right. But through love, okay, now here we go. So what I'm, what I'm going to get us to do, every time it says one another up there, I want us all to say it together because I want you to get this. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. That means when someone's struggling, one another. We look after one another. I bear your burden, you bear my burden. All right, next verse. I therefore, the prisoner of the, of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, verse 2, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Have we got another one there? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. All right, and the next, I'm not sure how many we've got here. Uh, Ephesians 4.32, and be kind to, tender-hearted, forgiving, even as God in Christ forgave you. One more, and let us consider in order to stir up love and good works. All right, now that's, that's a handful, but there are like, like I said, up close towards 100 in the New Testament where the, the emphasis is not the pastor. It's not, oh, how's pastor doing with pastoral care? It's actually pastoral care is the job of one another. So that means, so, so when someone goes, I don't like the pastoral care in this church, I'm criticizing myself. Because I'm responsible, as a member of the church, I'm responsible for one another care. You know what, what I find funny sometimes, and I've probably done this over the years, is sometimes people go, oh, I went to hospital, and no one in church looked after me. You go, oh, really, no one? Oh, who did you let know? Oh, I didn't let anyone know. Oh, okay. Well, that's pretty hard if we don't have that going on. Uh, just, I know we're prophetic and all, but that's quite tricky. And then you go, no one in church visited me in hospital. Oh, okay. What, what do you mean? Because I, I, I heard that you're in hospital, and I heard that Fred went to visit you. He goes, oh, yeah, Fred's my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, and actually, um, Bill and Betty, they made me dinner. I go, oh, awesome. Okay. So what do you mean the pastoral care was bad? What they're saying is, you didn't visit me. But in reality, friends, fellow believers... Ones in our church who we get to know. So here's the, here's the thing. Statistically, uh, Peter Wagner's a, a church world expert, and he'll say this. When a church gets to the stage where, it, where each person knows six other people and looks out for six other people, then that's when a person feels they belong the most in a church, when, they, when they've got six other people. It's just, you know, and if you think about it, uh, Peter talks to the church and says, oh, Christ's building the house, the body, and, and it's like you're, you're a living stone, which is like a living brick. And if you've got a brick, it's got six bricks around it to lock it into the wall. When it's got, so as a pastor, one of my aims is not to visit every person. It's to just try to put together different strategies, and they're always changing, to make sure everybody can have six friends. So then we can sing Pink Floyd, I'm just another brick in the wall. No, no, we can't do that. But we're looking for relationships. One of the ways I call it like this, and if I was to do a little survey right now, uh, the little survey would be like this. How many, if you were to write down the names of the people in your church that you've had over for a meal, that would be, you know, I'm not going to do a show of hands, 
But to me, that would be a good indication of how good one another was functioning in the life of church. Uh, we, we have this little expression, how many, houses, how many people in church do you have fridge rights to? What do you mean fridge rights? Fridge rights is if I can walk into your house, go straight to the fridge, and help myself to a drink in the fridge. I've got fridge rights at your house. That's an indication that I've, we've got a good friendship, a good relationship going on. And for, for us in our small groups and connect groups or dinner party, whatever you want to call them, uh, when we get together, part of the deal is we're building one another relationships and trust and friendship. And you really, it's, you know, Facebook's okay, but it's very hard to build a vulnerable friendship of one another love and support. It can be an addition, but it's got to work face to face. It's got to work in our homes. So, so, you know, your question could be, okay, how many people have I got fridge rights with? How many people, uh, how, many, how many people in the church? And so then the, the, the next question is, all right, well, whose responsibility is it for me to get friends in church? Whose responsibility is it for me to get, it's gone real quiet in here, hasn't it? Uh, uh, whose responsibility is it for me to get one another relationships? Well, here's what the Bible says. He who wants friends in Proverbs must show himself friendly. And so sometimes we can have this concept, even meals, like, to, you know, today there's hospitality and there's probably something after church with coffee, but, but it would be great to think, hey, once a month I'm going to invite someone home for a meal. And it doesn't have to be gourmet, you know, forget my kitchen rules. Uh, it could be a roast chicken that you pick up on the way home and some hot chips and you throw it on, on the, you know, or you go to a park. Or, but particularly, I love this idea because the New Testament church did it, and it was where they went into each other's homes. And they got into, one, into each other's homes. In Acts chapter 2, it says, uh, they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And it said they, they gathered in one accord in the temple. They got together in the temple, one accord. We were talking about a little bit earlier. How many people know God loves Honda? Because he gets us in one accord. Oh, I'm on fire. I'm on. Although I did hear, he also leads us in his triumph. Uh, sorry, anyway, I'm getting distracted again. Uh, so they continued with one accord in the temple, but next verse, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Gladness and simplicity of heart. Let me land this with two key thoughts. Two key thoughts. Your, your pastor's primary role in church. Now that you're, for the first couple of years, they've demonstrated one another care. Okay, by visiting, helping. I heard stories about them being there and, and loving. But they can't keep being the sole uh, ones who do that, nor is it just up to a few people who are the team to do that. It actually needs to be the culture of the church where every member goes, I am committed to caring for one another, following their example, and I'm releasing them from an expectation of visitation. I'm releasing them from an expectation that, that they, I'm going to have lots of one-on-ones, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for them, I'm going to honor them, and I'm going to encourage them and release them to this role. This, really, this is what the role of your senior pastors are primarily. It's to lead and feed. To lead and feed. What does that mean? Set the vision, lead. Get people appointed into roles of, of, of leadership, of function. So, so this is where we're going. This is the way we're going to do that. Lead, and the second one is feed. 
bring the Word of God to us. Every Sunday, bring the Word of God. Sometimes people will go, oh, I've got a problem. Uh, you know, I've had a phone call. I've had a problem, Pastor. I'd like you to talk to me about it. I go, oh, I missed you on Sunday. They go, oh, I wasn't there. Um, but I've got this challenge with my relationship. They go, oh, yeah, well, I preached on Sunday on relationships. But no, 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 I, I just need to have a coffee to talk about it. But, but mate, I talked about it. Bought the Word of God. If you're there... I consider, I tell at my church, consider Sunday like a coffee together. We're just going to get together and I'm going to pastor from the pulpit. We're going to have coffee from the pulpit. That, if you can let your expectation be that your pastors lead and feed, and then what happens for us is that we look after one another. And the way we look after one another, just let me give you three little practical things. The first one is just real simple. The first one is to pray for one another. You could, you could go home today and say, God, who's six people in the church that you want me to pray for? I'm going to pray for our pastors every day, but maybe one day, maybe it's seven, maybe one day every week you're going to pray for a different person and just start to get God's heart and burden for them. Then out of prayer, I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to give them a phone call. I'm going to text them. I'm, just, I'm going to contact people and out of prayer be an encourager. And then the third thing is I'm going to, we're going to eat together. But it's going to make ways of having coffee together, having people in my home, and make a commitment. This is what Christianity is all about. They would define. This is what Jesus said. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. One another. Is that, a, is that something that emanates out of us as a church? Do we love one another? We release our pastors to lead and feed. And we make a commitment to love one another. Now, whatever the form of that is, your pastors will lead you and how, how that best works for you. That's up to them to do. I'm talking a generic principle right now. Can we close our eyes as we come to a close right now? Father, I thank you for every person who calls C3 Church Noosa their home. I ask, Holy Spirit, for your presence to be where two or three gather together in your name. Wherever people gather, in your name as members of this church, let your presence be there. Let your wisdom be there. Let your help and anointing be there. Father, I pray for people today who may be considering joining this church and making it their church home, that you would knit their hearts together with others in this house following the vision and the leadership of Christian Melissa. Lord, we pray that they would be released to be who you've called them to be, to lead strong, to bring the Word of God to the church. But Lord, there'd be a great anointing for one another in this house. Well, you got your eyes closed right now. Maybe you're here today and you've had some sort of church upbringing or not. It really doesn't matter. But if I was to ask you this question right now, do you have a personal relationship with God? You'd go, oh, no, I believe that God's real. But I don't really have a personal relationship with Him. Can I tell you today, you are created to have a relationship with God. You're created for friendship with God. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die in our place to deal with what separates us from God, our sin and our mistakes. And Jesus died on a cross, a painful death, shed His blood, so that all of our sin could be forgiven if we just put our faith in Him. And so the question today is, are you in a 
living relationship with God where He's your friend, where he, He's your helper, where He's the leader of your life. Because if you're not, I'd love to pray a prayer with you that helps you connect to God, that helps you begin a relationship that's life-changing. But God Himself comes and lives inside of you, changes you from the inside out because He lives inside you. Not where you try to be a good person, but God actually lives inside of you. Christianity is first and foremost about a relationship with God and Him changing us as we get closer to Him. So what I'm going to ask us to do in a moment while every eye is closed, if, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, He wants one with you. You just have to turn to Him and put your faith in Jesus Christ. I'd lead you in a prayer. In a moment, I'm going to, if you want to do that, I'm going to get you to raise your hand and we're going to pray together. A prayer inviting God into your life, inviting Christ into your life. Or maybe you've prayed a prayer like that once. Maybe you, you asked God into your life once. Maybe you've made a decision more than once to follow Christ, but you know right now He's not the center. He's not first in your life and you need to come back to Him and get right with Him again. I'd love to pray for you today. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. It will be life-changing. Or maybe you're here today, you're just, you're just not sure if you're going to go to heaven when you die. It might seem like that's a long way off. But not being sure about where you'll spend eternity is so dangerous. And God wants you to spend eternity with Him. And He said there's only one way that that's going to happen. And it won't happen because you're a good enough person. It won't happen because just because you believe God and Jesus is real. The Bible tells us even demons believe God's real. It'll only happen if you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, your forgiver. And when you do that, you have an assurance that you're going to heaven. So right now, every eye's closed. I'm going to ask you this, because I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a moment. If you're saying, John, yeah, I want a relationship with God. I want God to come and live in me, change me from the inside. Or I want to come back to Christ because I'm away from Him. He's not number one. Or I want to be sure I'm going to heaven. If you're one of those people right now, just raise your hand and say, John, that's me. I want God to come into my life today. Would you pray with me wherever you are? Just raise it up real high and say, yeah, that's me. I want God to come into my life. All Christians are praying just quietly in this room right now. They're praying for you, for your salvation, for your experience with God that will be life-changing. God's talking to you. you go, how do I know God's talking to me, John? How do I know? Well, usually it's just an impression in your heart. It doesn't have to be lightning bolts. It's just an impression. You're thinking, yep, I need God. Something's telling you. It's not your, your mind might be going, I don't need God at all. I'm fine. You're, you're arguing in your mind. But God doesn't speak to your mind. He speaks to your heart. I often find that the, the mind moves real fast, but the heart moves slow. So I, I like to take time in a moment like this. Because I know God's talking to people in this room right now. And if you want Him to come into your life, I'm just going to look around again. I want you to raise your hand if that's you, and I'd love to pray with you. Say, yeah, I want God to come into my heart. I want to turn to Him today. All good. Awesome. You can open your eyes, church. God bless you. Hey, it's so great to be with you today. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in the next year 
It's going to be phenomenal and many years to come. But again, put your hands together for your pastor, Pastor Christian, as he comes right now. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.